Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to. You can pick their brain. You can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Welcome back, everybody, to another Friday breakdown edition of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I'm sitting here with the ginger gunslinger, Mr. Jacob Myers. How you doing? Doing well. Yeah, the gunslinger. The officially, gunslinger. Officially been upgraded. We'll, we'll start calling you the ginger bow hunter again when you actually shoot something with a bow. <laughs> yeah, valid. Very valid. 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 Um, so this uh, past Monday, we had Mr. Travis Leon talking about chasing tracks. Um very interesting subject, a, a subject that I feel like really applies to a lot of us here across the Southeast. Uh, Jacob, what do you think about it? It's interesting. Again, uh, when Travis reached out back in the summer of 2022, um, he kind of brought this up to me as a, uh, a talking point because he's a, he is a listener of the podcast, um, and he's heard us talk about this a little bit in the past, but never go in great detail on chasing tracks. And it's something that he's been doing for, like he said in the podcast, you know, 15 plus years uh, and had a 
ton of success doing it and killing some really, really nice deer, really big deer down in, you know, the counties he's in kind of more in South Alabama. Um, so it, it's something that if you are in an area, especially where you have like dirt roads or clay roads or even sandy roads, um, not gravel, you can really find these tracks pretty easily when these bucks do start chasing, or if you're, you know, are checking out logging trails or food plots, like what he mentioned in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I really do think we're going to have quite a few listener success stories come from this because, um, as he talked about, if you kind of can find these tracks when they're fresh, especially after a rainstorm or something like that, and you can capitalize on it very quickly, you have a really good chance to potentially, you know, get very close to, you know, that buck chasing those does, uh, or multiple bucks chasing, you know, a doe or two, um, and be in that activity. Cause again, kind of like we've mentioned in other episodes, you know, the rut down here is kind of crazy and you'll find some areas where it's really good rutting activity. But the thing is you may be a couple hundred yards off that action. And, you know, you might be thinking, oh, man, there's nothing happening. This rut's, mm-hmm. you know, being terrible. But if your buddy was 200 yards from you, he might have the craziest, you know, rut hunt of his entire life. Yep. You know, over there where he has three or four bucks, you know, dog and a doe, and they're all, you know, big mature bucks, which mm-hmm. kind of like what happened to me last year. Again, I was a couple hundred yards from uh, from Wesley Mowie when we were hunting with the wolf pack, and I had an unbelievable morning, multiple rack bucks all mm-hmm. on this one doe. And he's 200 yards away from me. Did not see a single deer all day long. Yeah, man. And that's just a function of how thick it is out here. And the, and I I feel like that's why you hear a lot of people saying like, oh, rut didn't happen or the rut's late or this or that. It's like, man, you might have just not been in the right spot. You know, it's kind of the same thing we talk about with trail cameras, where if you're not getting a big deer on like one trail camera that you have on your whole property, like put in perspective that trail camera is watching like 15 square yards of however big your property is. Kind of same thing when you're hunting. I mean, if you're sitting there and you're watching, you know, this one area and you don't see anything, it doesn't mean that they're not doing the thing. It might just be that you're in the wrong spot. Yeah. So um, I feel like this is a good tactic, especially for maybe newer hunters, really for anybody. I really, this is one of my favorite things to do, but especially if, if you're like a newer guy and you're like just now getting into hunting or you're getting into public land hunting or you're getting more serious about it, like whatever the case may be. This is a really good way to just go out and just get on deer pretty quick. You know, um, going out and reading sign, kind of an easy way of scouting, if we're being honest. You know, riding roads, walking food plots, cut over edges. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty surefire way to get on deer pretty quickly and, uh, and actually be where they are at that given time, you know? Yeah, and also being around good activity, too. Because it's one thing that, like, just be cutting tracks. It's another thing when you find these chasing tracks where you can see where that buck's making you know, as Travis talks about like a cutting motion where he's going, you know, 90 degrees mm-hmm. to the left or right, he's cutting side to side as he's, you know, kind of dogging this doe. And you're not only, you know, in deer, but you're going to be in, you know, an area where there's probably a hot doe or doe about to come in the heat. And there's, you know, a couple good bucks potentially on her. Um, so again, put you even more in a spot that, you know, I'd rather find that personally than big rubs or scrapes or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially just, after a big rain or something. Yeah, because, I mean, that actually confirms. Like That's why I love tracks. Like, tracks is my favorite kind of um, deer sign, personally. Other than, I don't know, so big rubs are always just exciting. But, again. They're fun to find. They're fun to find. Like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a little morale booster. But it's also like, <laughs> I'm probably not going to kill a deer here. But, <laughs> you know, it's cool. They're, they're fun to see. So it's like, you know, you know, window shopping. You know, not, not necessarily going to be buying anything. But uh, it's good to see it. Um, but. It's, I, I definitely feel like those cutting tracks and, and those chasing tracks can just be so effective, um, especially if you're in a part of the country where you have, again, softer soils, 
uh, clay soils, uh, just really soft dirt and sandy soils. You can really kind of find these tracks. If you're in an area with a ton of rocks and really rocky ground, it makes it super hard to find that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Unless you have, again, like a like a, a food plot or something. Like you, you can find them in food plots pretty easily because a food plot, if you till it, you know, the ground's going to be fairly soft. Um, but especially roads, like if you're on a property that has a lot of gravel roads, it's kind of hard. It's pretty hard. I mean, you can see like the sliding motion of a deer on gravel, mm-hmm. but you have no, you don't. There's nothing really to go off. So you're then looking down in the ditch on each side of the road to hopefully find yeah. you know some of those tracks. But gravel roads are super tough, and of course, asphalt's not even a question. Um, <laughs> yeah. But again, dirt roads, soft dirt soils, uh, clay. Clay's awesome. Like if you have clay roads, God, dude, clay's because clay holds moisture for so long after it gets wet. And like I, those, those are the areas I feel like you can really find some tracks pretty easily. Oh yeah, um, especially after a good rain. I mean, they might as well be walking across like wet concrete. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that obvious. Yeah. So I love clay roads. Good old Alabama, that red clay, mm-hmm. like orange yeah. cl- looking clay. Georgia, Mississippi too, the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah, it definitely works out. And yeah, tracks are probably my favorite too. And it's kind of funny, like growing up. For some reason, there was really not ever very much emphasis put on tracks for me. Like in the people I grew up hunting with, but also just in whatever media I consumed, you know, reading magazines or watching TV shows or whatever, that that was just like, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of stock put on it, like at all. And then it wasn't until we really started the podcast and started talking to people where I was like, you know what, maybe I should like really start thinking about tracks. Because, you, you know, you'd just be walking and you'd be like, oh, tracks, where are the rubs at? You know, and you get kind of focused on those rubs and, you know, sometimes it pays off, but a lot of times it doesn't. And on a case by case basis, I feel like fresh tracks pay off a lot more than any other kind of sign, um, whether it be rubs or scrapes or anything like that. I mean, if you got a whole bunch of a concentration of fresh sign or uh, fresh tracks after a rain specifically, then it's like, man, they're here. Like, you know that they're there for sure. Especially when, um, like what happened yesterday, it quit raining like right at daylight, which is awesome. Because then when I go out yesterday evening to go look for tracks, I know that those tracks are made in daylight, which is just even that much more valuable. Um, especially when trying to determine where the different bedding areas are on the property, which is kind of what I was doing yesterday. I mean, I kind of figured there wasn't going to be any chasing tracks, but if I could figure out where these daylight tracks are at, then that's going to start really cl- keying me into where the does are actually spending their daylight hours Mm, yeah for sure i mean you know the interesting thing about tracks is you can really learn especially if you see enough tracks and especially when you when you kill every deer i ever kill i always look at their hoof every single deer i kill Mm -hmm. and kind of get i kind of judge like if i kill say a two and a half year old buck what that hoof may look like first if i kill a five and a half year old buck and, and again, the size, the foot size difference and the body size, and especially, you know, looking at that hoof or even a doe and actually putting some, you know, pressure on that hoof where it splays out a little bit. So you have an, an actual idea of how big that foot is from that deer mm-hmm. to kind of give you something that you're going off of when you're actually seeing tracks in the field. And I feel like if people start doing that, you'll really quickly learn, you know, are you looking at just probably like a above average doe or are you looking at uh you know a, a younger smaller body buck or is this a you know a bigger body deer um you know potential a, a more mature buck that's you know leaving this you know more splayed out track and also the difference between a running track versus a walking track you know that whole idea as well and also looking at the different medians or median i don't, I don't know if i'm using this term correctly of what that tracks in um mm-hmm. you know the different soil types the softest of the soil because sometimes if it's mud 
you know, you have a doe coming through there at a, a pretty good look, like trotting or whatever, and she could leave a, it looks like a monster track. You got the dew claws on it and everything. Yeah, but it's it's just super soft soil that she's sinking down into, and it makes, you know, makes her toes splay out even more so. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's, it's probably just a doe or a super young buck. But I've, I used to bite me in the butt, especially, you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh man, it's a big old track. But mm-hmm. you look at it's in mud, and I'm like, no, it's a freaking probably a doe coming through, and she's slipping yeah. aside, and freaking, and her track looks way bigger than what it is. Yeah, and I've seen that with a lot of other people too that will post a photo of a track. I'm like, that that may be a buck, but more than likely it's probably a doe coming through there, and mm-hmm. she's just slipping, sliding in that mud or that super soft soil. And again, it just makes the track look a lot bigger than what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know that's the thing that comes with experience, kind of like uh, Travis was talking about. Your experience is going to teach you about that stuff. It's kind of like like if you think back on like, or whenever you bring like a new person and it's like every dead tree in the woods is a rub, you know, like you'll just kind of learn to not recognize those things as, as what they're not, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. a, like a big, a big track in the mud where it's like slid and you can see the dew claws. It's like, eh, like maybe that's, that's probably not a big deer. I mean, it's probably just a, like a slip and slide and doe coming through. Same thing with the rubs, you know, it just comes with experience. And as they keep going out, they'll get better and better at, uh, at identifying that stuff. So, uh, what'd you think of the snort wheeze thing? Was the, I, I've never talked to Travis about that, like uh-huh. calling. So I'm glad you brought it up. Cause I wasn't even going to ask that. Because my mind went to it. Cause I'm like, <laughs> you know, one reason this is so effective is because you 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 know that you're putting yourself close to bedded deer like you know that they're in there if you find that like he's talking about a like a chasing track going into a, a bedding thicket or heading towards it like you know that they're in there and so that takes half the guesswork out of it just trying to find a spot where they are at that moment so you know that they're in there so now what are you going to do to capitalize so I, I was just wondering if he called or whatever mm-hmm. and i was pretty it was pretty interesting the snort wheeze is interesting because i've heard kind of like i mean he mentioned it you know, a lot of guys are worried, myself included, that it's such an aggressive call that you're really potentially spooking deer. And also, if you don't mm-hmm. do a snort wheeze correctly, it can sound like you're just a deer blowing, um, which is not always great either. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, um, <laughs> but again, I, I, I've never talked to anybody, especially in the Southeast, who blind calls and uses snort wheezes, uh, or just because... I don't know. It's just, I, I have never heard him anybody doing that. So that's, again, he talks about, you know, doing that along with his, you know, three or four grunts every 15, 20 minutes is like his ticket for a lot of this and bucks kind of slipping in. I'm like, that's, that's interesting. But also it, it makes me wonder, and I don't know if he would be able to tell us this, but like in his area, do, is that herd bounce maybe a little more even where there's, it's not really thrown off where you have a lot more does and bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause he's talking about like having five bucks chasing one doe. I'm like, you could definitely have that happen, especially if the does coming in heat early. But if you're doing like prime rut, if you're, you're seeing, you know, multiple bucks on one doe, I'm like, dude, it makes me wonder how balanced that herd is. And again, maybe there's as many does as bucks or maybe potentially less does than bucks, uh, which is kind of from like a manager's perspective. That's why a lot of people want some biologists cause you get a very even breed, breeding uh, cycle where all the does get bred in one time so you have all the fawns at the ground at once but mm-hmm. you also have a much more aggressive rut because the bucks truly have to compete if they want to breed a doe within you know that certain hour window she's actually in heat yeah that'd be a good question <laughs> i'd be curious about that um and the whole thing about hunting all day too it's like man if i find like chasing tracks going in somewhere 
like I'm sitting for as long as I can stand it. You cut, you call in work, get do like yeah. you know, get going your go out on your lunch break, find cut, find the chasing tracks, and like, hey guys, I'm not coming back to work today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you got to do what you got to do, <laughs> yeah. man. You got to get out there and get after it. Uh, was there a, was there anything else from the episode? I mean, this, this that, uh, the snort wheeze thing is just really interesting. Again, um, he has a ton of confidence in it. Um, clearly, it works for him because he kills some really really good deer where he's at in more South Alabama. Um, but it's just, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. It's weird. I mean, that that's one of those things that, like, you know, you see guys doing out in Kansas, like, you know, snort wheezing that deer and, like, you're just being, like, overly aggressive. But he's doing that down kind of southern Alabama, and it's working pretty well for him. So, I don't know. It makes me wonder, especially some of these areas that we're hunting that has definitely, like, the older age class, like, bigger deer. Yeah. Like, whether that would work very well there. Um, but, again, I, just, I found that super interesting. But – um, I mean, other kind of takes, I mean, definitely just like the, the setup, um, uh, when he mentioned one of those situations where, um, he found cutting tracks called into work, um, and it was, you know, in like a five-year-old pine thicket with bigger, like, uh, thin, like slut cut pines, uh, adjacent to, and he was set up about a hundred yards off that pine thicket edge in the slut cut pines. The second he said it, I knew exactly why he was doing it, but it was just interesting to kind of get him to explain in detail, like, you know, he wants to get far enough off that edge, that thick edge. So, like, if a deer pops out 100 yards to his left or 100 yards to his right, it's still far enough out in front of him that he can kind of get positioned on that deer. Or, again, like he said, let that doe get far enough out of that thick cover coming through that opening that, you know, if the buck he wants to shoot maybe that third or fourth buck in line – it allows them to get far enough off that edge that by the time that buck pops out, you know, that doe's not behind him mm-hmm. and he gets a shot opportunity uh, and gets like a better angle on those deer versus if you sit right up on the edge, that deer pops out. Well, next thing you know, now it's, you know, at your five o'clock position, it's back behind you and yep. deer taking off and, you know, potentially can get winded or whatever else and just makes it a lot more tough to shoot. So I thought that was pretty interesting when it came to like the overall setup and not getting like right up on that thick edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something I'm guilty. I've always, I tend to end up getting right on the edge. Now the flip side, it, he mentioned this, but we didn't go in great detail about it. So he's talking about that on like bigger pine thickets. Okay. Like where you five, can't see into yeah. it. But on the flip side, if you can see into it where he's like, man, if those pines are you know, four or five foot or shorter where you can like get up and see down into them. Then he's getting on that edge where he can truly see out Looking into that stuff. Into and, I, and I've had tremendous success doing that. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of guys that kill big deer every single year doing that very specific strategy is you find those, you know, two, three, four year old clear cuts that have those pines that are again, you know, you know, chest high or shorter and you mm-hmm. come up really high on the edge of it and you look down into it. And I'm like, man, if there's a doe and they're trying to get away from a buck, you're gonna see it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I could, I can lend her some help getting that buck away from her. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, like, ma'am, he pesting. You know, he bothering you. Yeah, is he bothering you. Yeah, that's one thing. Kind of a good segue hunting with Wes. Uh, man, going into uh, going into when the first time we hunted with them in the place that we hunt, I can't say anything because I don't want to give it away. But um, when they sent me in there, I ended up getting too close to that edge. And I ended up hunting like right on the edge and I couldn't see into the thicket good. And then I also couldn't see down either side of the thicket good because I was too close. And so I actually had to get down and back up midday and like readjust. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's definitely a thing that happened, but a good segue. Uh, we ended up hunting with Wes this past weekend. Yeah. Wes, Wes Moe of the mm-hmm. Wolf Pack. The old Wolf Pack. So uh, you want to you dive into this hunt a little bit? Jacob actually missed the first part of the hunt because he had a date. 
<laughs> How'd your date go? It went good. Do you think she'll listen to this? No, no. You don't think she'll listen? No. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it would, I would be surprised. If she, Are you going to take her hunting? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. You Bring her out? You get a doe or something? We'll, we'll see. That'd be a good date. We'll see. Give you a lot of time to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, back, back to the topic at hand, though. Man, Jacob gets so embarrassed. No, no, no. I got, I got hell for it. It was hilarious. Wes called me. Oh, he's, everyone was calling him Loverboy when he showed up. Yeah, he's, he's, oh man, oh, it was, it was fun. Hey, it's Loverboy. Yep. Oh god, but no. Um, so Wes hit us up. I guess probably three weeks ago, and we were talking about like doing this hunt, and uh, all you know. Uh, water axis, boat axis, you know, I've hunted with uh, him down there before. Um, I guess it was last year, went down there and it was actually kind of similar conditions. It was this time it was rainy. It's, it, you know, it, it made it kind of rough, uh, you know, overall deer movement, but, uh, got invited down and Andrew, this is the first time you've ever been hunting down there, which is kind of uh, like no, with, with, no, with, with Wes as well. Yeah, I mean. with Wes. So I've hunted down in this area one time before. Cause we've talked about, I talked about this last year when we hunted with him. So Wes uses a pontoon boat for like water access and it is like, dude, you're hunting in luxury. It's like, dude, oh, it's, so it's, nice. it's so comfortable. It you're, is you're, so you're nice. You're sitting there and I'm like, dude, and as Andrew said, it's like, you know, storming the beaches of Normandy. Cause mm-hmm. you know, you got like cut banks on the river. So Wes just rides that freaking pontoon boat right up on the edge. You open the front gate and you're just like jumping off and you're just, you know, storming the beaches. <laughs> yep. Storming the beaches. Uh, this is an interesting setup. We're kind of running the river up there and uh, the, the kind of places that we were hunting is interesting because it has a lot to do with like sloughs and, and pinch points and where they're funneling around this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of a new kind of hunting than what we're used to. Oh, we it's very different. We don't hunt a lot of flat stuff like that. And this stuff is flat. I mean, there's really no elevation change except for, you know, where the swamp, like where it rolls off into like actual swamp. Um, so that, that was different. One thing that Wes was telling me before you got there that's kind of interesting is you talk to the locals around there and the, the, the terrain is set up where, the the deer walk the same trails every single year. Even though it's flat and they can walk anywhere, you'll still find trails in that flat stuff. He's like, they don't change. He's like, I hunt the same trails I hunted 30 years ago. And you'll talk to the locals and you'll be like, oh, I was over on so-and-so branch. And uh, the, the other guy will be like, oh, were you hunting the, the front trail or the back trail or the middle trail? Like they all know of all these different trails, which is kind of interesting. I don't know if, if he talked to you about that at all, but apparently they're they're used that consistently. Where they just, for whatever reason, they pick out the spot they want to walk and and they walk it. Mm-hmm. And they it, just continue to walk it. Yeah, no, it it's uh, yeah, it, it's interesting and also how like the relationship to water, like such a close relationship these deer have with water out there, mm-hmm. and how much they like will stick to that water's edge, um, and like going around these, you know, going around the sloughs, going down the river, just whatever, like you know, they're, they're they hug tight to that. Which is also where you find a lot of the thicker cover. Because a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff, like, you get off the water's edge, and it kind of opens up. And then, you know, you get close to that water's edge, and it really thickens up. you got, you know, switch cane. You've got, you know, all kinds of just thick cover, you know, cattails, all that kind of stuff, like, real close to the water's edge. And those deer just, like, kind of, you know, meander through it. And I had, a, I had a little spike come by me, and that's exactly what he was doing. He was coming right at that sloughs. I was, headed, I was sitting at the head of the slough, and he came right up the edge of that slough, right through that thick cover, and popped out, I mean, seven yards from me well I, I could see him from a little distance coming through 
and this kind of fed on these water oaks and just kind of kept on working up uh, behind me. Nice. So, um, but no, it, it's super cool, but definitely like hunting out of the, uh, the, the pontoon boat and like using that for access is awesome. Yeah. It was like, definitely nice. Just, oh dude. But, it, uh. This is a high deer density area. Very, very, very high deer density area. And man, it was tough. It was tough. Did, did, hey, did, when did, you weren't there, dang, you weren't there the night we cooked out and everything. We saw what? Four deer between four hunters? But five deer maybe? I don't know. I can't remember. How In many. two days of hunting, four hunters, we saw five deer. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. We should have seen more than that. But, so Scott was telling me, uh-huh. which we're going to have Scott. Scott's uh, uh, Scott Smith. He, he's uh, one of the guys down there that, uh, he's actually the guy that got Wes into hunting, which is hilarious. We're going to get them both on podcasts. They're, so they're fun. fun to be around, man. They're, they're, they're a blast. But anyways, we cooked out the night you had to leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, no, you ate. You, yeah, you, I was hung, there. you hung out for a little bit. Okay. So Scott was telling me, uh, me and him were just kind of sitting around hanging out. And he was telling me, like, back in, like, when he was out there, like, in the 60s, or, like, no, like late 60s, 70s, like, especially, like, in, mostly in the 70s when he was out there kind of running around as a mm-hmm. teenager, um, that they, he's like, I've literally gone out there, he's like, we were running trap lines, like, in one of these areas, and we came up over this rise and killed this big hardwood flat. He's like, I promise you, he's like, there was 200 deer feeding under all these oak trees. And when they took off the run, he's like, it was just a, like, flurry of white tails. He's like, it was the craziest thing. But he's like, you would see, like, he, and even um, mm-hmm. Wes was talking about, you know, back in, like, the 80s hunting down there, you would literally, he's like, you might see 70, 80 deer on a hunt, like, on a sit in some of these spots. Where all these deer are coming from different directions coming through there. And Wes was talking about one Jeez. time that he was bow hunting. He had 19 deer within like a few minutes come through within bow range of them all from different directions. God. And it's, it's just craziness. Um, I'd love to go on a hunt like that, It's just like rabbit. I mean, yeah. not even, I, I haven't even seen rabbits that thick. <laughs> yeah, for real. It'd be like a dove hunt, but instead of doves, <laughs> it's white-tailed deer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I believe it. It's a. I mean, the one time that we went and hunted there, uh, without Wes, like me and you went years ago and we took your little boat and like paddled it around. Yeah. Cause the motor wouldn't work. The motor wouldn't work. <laughs> so we just tossed that joker in the river with a couple paddles. Yeah. Big old John boat, which did not paddle well. No, it was terrible. And, uh, we ended up getting, I, I ended up seeing like nine deer just going and sitting in a random spot on a whim. And one of them was a big buck, which I proceeded to miss. And you saw a buck that day too. Yeah. I had a little like th- four point or five point, maybe a little, six, I don't know. He was a little little deer and he was like 15 20 yards from me and uh he was he was legal to shoot but when he came by i'm like do i want to shoot him with this gun and because when i get that 30 30 30. and i was like and he was just hanging out right next to me because i was sitting between two sloughs where there's like a dry spot between the two sloughs Mm -hmm. i sat like right there off the edge sat on the ground up against a giant water oak and uh was tucked up inside probably had a cotton mouth in between my legs I didn't notice. <laughs> and um he came slipping by me along with a couple other does and you know, didn't shoot him but uh yeah that's that that's the hunt where i learned about invisible depressions um when it comes to no that's the hunt you learn that you probably need to invest in a range finder well yeah that's true so i didn't have a range finder this was years ago and uh i ended up hunting this power line and there's a food plot at the end of the power line and i'm looking at it and this is even before, like, I think I was using a lot of online maps, like measure distance. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking and I'm like, eh, it's about 300 yards. I'm using my seven mag. So I'm like, yeah, I, I can I can do that. And uh, a bunch of deer, I, I was going to get closer to the field, but there was already deer in the field when I got there. I think it's what it was. And I'm looking and it's a couple does and they're kind of acting weird. And so I get ready and then it starts getting close to dark. And here, here, here comes this buck out in the field, shooter buck. And looking back... 
he was a huge buck because of how far he actually was. Oh, really? Because, like, again, I, he walks out and I see his rack. I don't have binos. I just have a gun. Like, this is this is before I had anything. I didn't have binos or anything. I see him, I'm like, oh, there's a good buck. There's a poor college kid. Man, I get I get down on that 7 mag, and I lay down across my pack, and I'm getting ready to shoot. Again, I'm thinking he's like 350, and so I take a crack at him, and uh, and they all run off. I'm like, well, I'm going down there and look for some blood now. So I start walking to go down there, and in between me and that field, there was three, like, low dips it's only like a three or four foot difference like from where i'm standing like and you walk down it's like maybe two or three feet and they had water in them but the way i was sitting i'm looking across the top of them and you can't tell that there's a depression there it looks like it's just flat in between you and this field but there's three of those and i'm when i thought it was like 350 yards was like 700 yards (laughs) and so no telling where that bullet went but i did not hit the deer i looked all over and uh Looking back, you know, the fact that he walked out that far away and I could see that he had antlers. He must have been a pretty freaking good deer. <laughs> and I just freaking launched one at him. <laughs> so, yeah, get, that's, uh, that's why you get a rangefinder. <laughs> or at least measure it on Onyx. That's what I started doing, you know. Uh, yeah, I'll just measure stuff on Onyx and, you know, take an educated guess or whatever. Anyways. <laughs> no, just keep rangefinders on you. I love that area, though, man. I love love hunting that river bottom type stuff it's fun so it's fun hopefully, hopefully i'll get to go back it, it's west. fun and weird at the same time because you talk to guys like scott and he could like jump mm-hmm. out of his tree in his boat if he wanted to in some of his setups just right by well coming out walking out the first morning uh i found a, a nice rub five feet from the riverbank mm-hmm. where you can tell they're parallel on that riverbank mm-hmm. and uh evidently they have some serious issues with people shooting deer at night on the river and last year, Wes said they found 28 deer with their, that dead on the side of the river that people had shot. And if it was a doe, they'll cut the back straps out. And then if it's a buck, they'll cut the back straps in the head. And that's all they take. That's <laughs> pretty bad, man. Pretty bad. Big issue down there. He found three the morning, the, the first morning we got there. Mm-hmm. He went to his spot and found three dead deer that someone had spotlighted at night and shot. So I don't know what the hell's wrong with people. Go get your act together. Don't, don't be doing that. The damn, you know, them, uh, duck hunters out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of duck hunters out more. I saw some mallards. Huh. Did you really? Mm-hmm. I, had, I had a couple wood ducks come by me in my little slew. Yeah, I saw woodies, mallards, and teal. What? Yeah. When we going, bro? <laughs> yeah, when we going. When you think turkey calls... Think of Houndstooth. Houndstooth Game Calls is a company based right here in Alabama, actually based out of Tuscaloosa, and they have been making some of our favorite turkey calls since 2012. Y'all head on over to their website, see what they got. They got a little something for everybody. They have a huge selection of different mouth calls, different cuts, different read configurations. I like to go on there and get five or six different mouth calls and just run them, see which ones I like the most. You know, some days I might like the KB Hen, some days I might like the Ghost Cut. Some situations I might like the Country Girl Call you know, that I can cut on really hard, where on other situations, I might like the All Pro that I can get a little bit softer on. Bottom line, there's something for everybody and something for every situation. And hey, you can get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls by using the promo code SOP24. That's SOP24. Use that promo code. It'll get you a discount and it helps out the podcast. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981. 
and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable. Like, everybody's jaws were dropping. Like, when I, we were out there with Mike and Sam, we were all super impressed. I mean, it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke. And Andrew, you're shooting the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. It's a great option. Same chokes I have in my shotgun. So guys, if you want to give True Lock a shot this spring, you can head over to truelockchokes.com. That's T-R-U-L-O-C-K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give True Lock a shot this spring especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with true lock. Yeah, I, I, I would love to get over there and hunt again. So that I, I want to get in on a good rut hunt there because when me and you went, it was it was definitely the rut, but we had we had one day. I hunted that morning and just went and sat somewhere in the woods. Again, just didn't, especially that area, I, I didn't know what I was doing because I never hunted flat stuff like that. And I ended up actually seeing two does that morning. Oh, I forgot. We stayed out there all day. Yeah, well, you got you showed up late. You got there like kind of mid morning, and then because you brought the boat, and we we crossed the little saloon, went in and hunted that afternoon. Oh, what? Yeah, and it, there had been snow the day before. I remember because it was the day that Bama lost to Clemson, Clemson yeah, in the national, national championship. Because yep. I was listening to it on the way home. Yep. And uh, and yeah, that was the only time I'd ever hunted that area. It was fun. Mm. Love to go back. Mm. Deer densities, babe. I love those deer high deer density areas. Yep. Can't beat it. That, that that would be pretty slick. I don't yeah. know, but but it's it's fun to hunt. But hey, we got we got to talk about these uh, whole fried piglets. You, you got to mess around. Yeah. So there was a I was hunting a cane thicket where a slough came off of the river, and I was kind of hunting towards the front of the slough, but also got to a, a place where um, there's basically a property line there, and there's some thick stuff on the other side of the property line, and uh, the other side of the property line is some good stuff, some primo land. So there's some biggins running around on it and uh where i'm hunting next to the slough there's a cane thicket that is kind of in between the slough and that property line and so i'm hunting this cane thicket and the cane is over your head and when you're on the ground it's you can't see like hardly at all through it it's really thick what what is a uh, cane again for just like native bamboo yeah so it's it's our american va- bamboo um so this cane is like i don't know head high and but when you get up in the tree you can see through it really good like it doesn't, it honestly doesn't look like much when you're up in the tree, but when you're on the ground, it's nice and thick. And yeah, I sat there that first morning, uh, just saw a bunch of ducks. And then at some point during the morning, I'm looking and I, I kept seeing squirrels and I see like something way off in the leaves and I think it's a squirrel. And then I see another one next to it. And so I grab my binos and throw them up and it's two piglets that are like Shoats. barely bigger than your now gene bottle, barely bigger than that. And I'm like, oh. So I get the gun ready because I'm like, where's mama? And uh, I got this little gap through the tree. I get the gun up and, you know, get dialed and everything where I need to be. And I'm, I'm like waiting, like just I'm aiming at this gap and I'm kind of looking up from the scope and five of these little shoats run through and then no big pig. 
and I'm like looking, 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 and several minutes goes by, and I'm not seeing anything, and I can see good, you know, and I'm not seeing any bigger pigs coming. So I put the gun back down, and I get the binos back up, and I'm looking, and I relocate all the little shoats, and they're just running around rooting all over the place. And I watch them for probably 15 minutes, and they end up moving off to my left, and I'm like, well, that's weird. I mean, they're itty-bitty. There's five of them, and I was saying that I think all of them combined might have weighed 20 pounds. Like, they were small. Um, I've killed swamp rabbits bigger than these pigs, and... It it gets to be like, that was pretty, that was maybe 8 o'clock. It gets to be like 9.45, and I see him again. And now they're coming back to my right. So they're coming back the other way. Andrew's messing. I, I'm, I'm looking at the messages. I'm messaging. I'm like, there's these, all these little baby pigs in front of me, and, and then they're coming through the gap. And again, I get ready. And now I'm kind of tempted to shoot one of them because I've seen them twice, and I haven't seen a deer yet or anything else. So I'm like, maybe I can get one in the head. I've shot pigs this size before. I mean, they're very small. And uh, you can, like, throw them jokers on a grill whole, which is pretty cool. Just like a big baked potato. Yeah, pretty much. Spatchcock it like a chicken and throw it on the grill. I don't know if that's what you call it for, like, pigs. But, yeah, you could totally do that. And I'm, uh, I let them all get through the gap. And they're they're kind of far. They're, like, 65 yards. And they're so small and they move so much that I'm like, I'm not going to take, like, ammo's too expensive. I'm shooting that 7mm 08. Ammo's too hard to find these days. Uh, for me to just like take a crack at one. So I'm like, if they get close, then I'm going to shoot one. And so then they, they feed back to the right, and I'm kind of watching them, and they feed way off through the woods, and they loop back, and now they're coming right for me. I'm like, y'all are about to mess up. <laughs> like, Y'all are about to learn something. And uh, they ended up getting probably 40 yards or so. They came through my gap. I had the gun ready, but what they'll do is they'll they'll root around for a minute, and then they'll like get up, and just like run like 15, 20 yards and then root around again. And so they just, they all ran through my gap. I wasn't going to try to stop them or anything. I was like, whatever. They, they got past me. So I didn't shoot any of them, although I was kind of tempted. Um, and then Wes ended up seeing them the next day, yeah, right? Yeah, Wes. So yeah, we were hunting the next day and Wes was like, I think, I think one of Andrew's pigs or piglets is coming by me. And after I, I talked to him, we'll get back to the boat. He's like, he's like, man, I try. He's like, I wanted to shoot it too. He's like, that little, that little son of a gun never stopped moving. He's like, yeah. He's like, I was, you know, I was trying to head shoot it. And he's like, there, there you know, it was fifty yards away. There's no way. He's no, like, man, that thing literally never stopped moving like the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, I mean, they're quick. They're quick little jokers. Yeah. But they look so clean. You know, they ain't even had a chance to get dirty yet. <laughs> but Todd found a dead hog that morning. That it was, it was bones, but it was still like kind of slick. You know, yeah. like when something rots off. It's, yeah. Uh, and he was like, I don't know, a quarter mile away. So we're thinking maybe that was the mama and somebody, somebody probably shot her from a boat at night and, uh, they're just running around or, I mean, they're, they're coyote food at this point. I mean, that are, coy- coyotes or bobcats will clean dude, them up. Or, or a hawk. Dude, I, I was a big old tree. eagle. Dude, there were so many, there were so many squirrels around me. I'm like, dude, I could shoot. Like if I had a 22 right now and you had a couple guys, you could shoot three man limit like that. Oh yeah. Right where I was Honestly, at. the place kind of reminded me of where we squirrel hunted with Kevin Murphy. Yeah, Kevin Murphy in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. just big bottoms. <laughs> the um, but no, I had a I had a uh, red tail hawk. Like all the squirrels went crazy for a second. Oh, I was like, yeah. what? And I'm like, <laughs> I turned to look and there was a red tail hawk coming screaming through the freaking trees and missed grabbing a squirrel. Oh. And like he's like you know kept going. I was like I'm like oh this is kind of cool. Oh that's awesome. But uh, I'm like that you know red tail hawk might. See a couple of piglets on the ground, like little shoats, and be like, "Oh, there we go." We snack. Shoats be in trouble. Yep. Yeah, that was uh. So I I saw those that morning. Wes saw a spike that morning, and Todd we're hunting with Todd Brogdon too, 
And uh, he saw two does that morning, way too far away to shoot. And uh, that's pretty much all we saw. We hunted that afternoon, and Wes saw a deer that afternoon that he couldn't tell what it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anything. Nope, you saw a fisherman. That was so funny. I'm going <laughs> to post it as a reel because I got some good footage of him. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> dude, I'm sitting there, and again, like I'm like 35, 40 yards from the water's edge, back to the water, kind of watching like this kind of like kind of like a cane break right there, or like dropped into a swamp. And um, I'm sitting there, and it's all quiet, dude. And I, I, all I hear is, and I'm like, what? And dude, I just like look over my back shoulder, and there's a dude in a bass boat who we passed earlier when we were driving to the spot. Oh, really? The guy that was like fishing by one of the, anyways, by, by uh, one of the houses. And um, I was just like, I turn around, I'm like. No freaking way. And the dude's just like, he's just, dude, he's going, he's bass dude. He's like freaking just, he's working his boat literally five yards off the edge of the water or off the shoreline. He's kind of working through the slough fishing. And, uh, and I'm like, I wonder if he can see me. And I'm like, I'm like filming the guy. I'm like, just filming, I'm up in a tree. I'm like, filming. do you have your orange on? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'm sure like I had my gun case. I had like for, for, uh, my gun, I had it laying Two yards off the shore, like I mean, he could, he had to see that. But like, yeah, he, I had mine on the shore too. He never looked up at me or anything, but like, he just kept like just kept fishing, dude. And I like filmed it. <laughs> it was so funny. He's on his trail, just kept fishing. He went, what? He went, he, he got up by you. He, he went up there. <laughs> but uh, I think that happened to Todd the first morning, and one of the fishermen got out and took a dump. No, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think he said that, man. Dang it, I wish I could. Got on the shore or just hung over the side of the moon? No, got up on the shore. <laughs> Todd was in the woods with him and didn't say anything. Oh, my. I would, <laughs> dude, I, dude, I, I, I would wait until he's like, you know, I, I'd wait a second and be like, hey. No, I'd be like, like that's a good look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, man. That's funny. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Man, creeping on the fisherman. It's, it, it was hilarious, but... uh. <laughs> But no, nah, yeah, saw that. And like the next day, you had to leave and um, hunted uh, a spot I'd hunt with Wes the year before. And uh, there's a pinch point coming around the head of a slough. Um, sat there, had that little spike come by, and oh, dude, I was waiting for pigs. I was, I was just waiting. Yeah, I was kind of excited to shoot a pig this weekend. Yeah, but didn't happen. No, the pigs no showed. Um, I bet you if it was maybe like a little more because it was pretty overcast the whole week mm-hmm. if it was like a little either warmer or just sunny i think we could have like caught him down there by the water a little killed bit more. him wallowing there, there, where i sat um that last morning sunday morning uh, there's a wallow like five yards six yards from the stand like right yeah. off the head of that slough and um anyways and you know there's like there's mud marks on the side of the trees where they're like they rub against those trees mm-hmm. and you got mud you know a couple feet off the ground yeah because it's 75 degrees and if it and that was overcast. If it had been sunny, I'm sure that I mean it would have been pretty freaking hot if it had been sunny outside. So I I guess that's the reason that it was kind of shut down. I mean, movement as a whole was just pretty bad the whole weekend. So I don't know. You know, we talked um with with Shane and Paul, Shane Parker and Paul Patera on that big series that we did back in late summer about uh weather conditions and the effect it has on deer movement. And uh we, I mean, from the results of that, temperature doesn't have necessarily a giant impact, um, especially the higher temperatures. It doesn't have as much of an impact as you'd think. But, you know, who knows? Maybe it does have an impact. Um, sure seemed like it did. 
<laughs> I don't know why else they wouldn't have been moving because uh, I don't know. We we sat till probably eleven o'clock that morning. I didn't I mean didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were actually driving. Yeah, I saw to like us. fifteen deer on the way. So down. you saw the midday movement. Yeah, it was, and it, it was a very bright night. Yeah. The moon was very very bright. Yeah, they were feeding as I was driving down. Like I was, mm-hmm. like at least fifteen deer feeding under like. They'd be driving down the highway, coming through like a pa- like coming through a pasture, and there'd be like one oak, and they'd be like five or six deer feeding underneath it. Huh. And I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. Like, yeah, because it was warm, but I'm like, yeah, clearly they're moving midday. Um, which when I hunted earlier in the week, because we had a full moon this week, uh, I hunted early in the week, and uh, on one of the full moon days, and I didn't see a single deer. That I sat until I sat in that spot till like one thirty, and I didn't see a single deer until ten forty five or ten thirty in the morning, and it was a group of does came by me. Um, at uh like you know 50 60 yards and they were feeding through and they hung out like next to me some thick cover for all the way until like just after noon mm-hmm. um and before they kind of went back up in a, a big pine thicket to a bed uh i forgot about that dude that that hunt happened i actually while i was sitting there i thought about shooting a doe um but elected against it because i didn't have pepper with me I, if i had pepper in the truck i would probably would have done it um uh, get her on a, another easy track but um when they cross the uh when they cross down in front of me I could hear up on like where they were coming from. There was like a little hardwood, or there's like a like a hardwood ditch that like, kind of ran out in front of me. Um, and across that ditch was a, a little pine ridge, but it had you know probably eighteen year old pines on it, like pretty good sized pine trees. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of open underneath, and you could hear the deer walking from a distance before they ever like got in that little hardwood SMZ where you could see them. Yep, and. Um, I could hear something after those does crossed. I could hear something else up there just walking around. I'm like, dude, here comes another deer. I'm like, this is probably a buck. <laughs> like, this, is, this is probably, and it, it walk around, walk around. And it, I could hear it come up to the hardwood SMZ, but I can't see like high up where the heart, where the pines are at. I can see kind of like a little bit farther down or when they drop off the point. Mm-hmm. And um, it has stopped and turned and just walked off and like walked <laughs> back. I'm like, that's got to be a buck. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I don't think that was in a day. Like, I think the day would have kept falling across. I'm like, that's got to be a buck. Begging. Well, after like, it, that was again around probably 11, 15 or something when that happened. Well, around 1 o'clock, one thirty when I was getting up to leave, decided to hike up above me and hit a little logging road that cut into those ponds and mm-hmm. check it out. Second guy in those ponds, dude, there's rubs all down that logging road, fresh rubs all down that logging road. And then there's four or five really good-sized scrapes, like right at the head of that hardwood ditch. Yep. Where, it, where that drain like stops. Mm-hmm. There's like a, the logging road goes across right there. And right at the head of that ditch, there was like, again, like five really good sized scrapes. Uh, that sounds like a freaking awesome spot for a camera. Yeah. All, all had been worked, um, very recently I had fresh tracks in them. Um, but that's again, right in around like 40 yards of where that, I had heard that other deer that morning. And I'm like, I wonder if it's buck kind of swinging through Checking yeah. that rising thermals, smelt those does. None of them were hot yet. I was looking at the tarsal glands and they came were coming across, and none of them were dark yet. And uh, he just kind of turned, probably just went back through those pines. But mm-hmm. I was like, it looked good. Um, one thing that that I wanted to bring up that is just kind of some food for thought, and it relates to last week's episode with Drew Atkinson uh, talking about thermals and and hills and stuff. By the time this drops, we'll be at the end of our big hunt. We we've been kind of alluding to. Um, but you know, we've got cameras out there and we've been seeing what we've been getting on camera and we've noticed, or I've noticed, and I'd be curious at, you know, what people think of this, like uh, any listeners out there, uh, but just throwing it out for food for thought, these scrapes are on this, this pretty steep ridge 
that goes down and you've got a bench on that lower one third of that ridge. And the whole side slope of the ridge is pretty thick. Um, I actually found out it was a fire in there um, that, that killed a lot of those big trees. And that hillside is actually very thick. And um, so at the bottom of the all the thick stuff, there's, there's the bench and there's where all the scrapes are. And uh, I've noticed that we're getting bucks on those scrapes on overcast, like wet days for the most part. Any day that it's like overcast, foggy, humid, rainy, typically getting deer on those cameras. If it's sunny and beautiful outside, not so much. And so I wonder if that's what Drew's talking about with thermals rising up and they're just cruising halfway up top third of that ridge and they can just catch those those rising thermals and not worry about it, you know? Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, that's yeah, potentially for sure. Um, Makes it hard to hunt. Mm, you're going to hunt the scrape. We're not going to hunt the scrape. We're just going to hunt above it. Yeah. Although I will, I will say that scrape where camera number four is at, mm-hmm. if you could sit like next to that scrape and watch up that side of the ridge, it'd be. You get a good west wind, you could do it. It'd be slick. Yeah. If it was a day like today, I would do it. 100%. Right now it's foggy. It's kind of kind of misty and overcast outside, kind of ugly. Cold fronts Dr- pushing through. Dreary. Cold fronts coming in. Shoot, I should probably be there right now. I bet. I bet that big buck's gonna show up here in about thirty minutes. Let's <laughs> big old eight point, whatever, gonna come through and like, yeah. Mm. Uh, by the way, yeah, that that big deer is an eight point. He's not a six point. We talked about that like one of the last like last week's outro or yeah. Friday breakdown. Whatever. Yeah, he's got brows. Yeah, he's got brow times. But that like one, one of the list, a listener uh, shot us a message because we were talking about it potentially being a big six, and it's not. It's a big eight. But um, he sent us a photo of a big six. He's got on camera. From the summertime, it was in velvet, and it's a giant six point. <laughs> it's, hey, it's the kind of six point, dude. That was on some private land. Old uh, uh, p- past podcast guest Nick Harris from a couple weeks ago. Yep. Uh, he, he, you know, he said he, he'd pay somebody pretty good money to act, access a property that had a big six like that. That's a, <laughs> that's a really big six point, my man. Yeah, because Nick wants a big six, doesn't he? Yeah, Nick's like, I want a big six for the wall. I'm like, dude, that, yeah. that one right there, I mean, it's a giant yeah, six. Yeah, boy. Point. So that's hilarious, man. Um, well. I'm excited for this hunt coming up. Uh, you got you got any final thoughts? Because people are going to hear a recap of that hunt probably that first week in January. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of how the episodes are falling. You, you got any final words, ex- expectations, anything like that before we hop in? Don't miss. Well, I'm going to try not to. Because Jacob's playing cameraman this week. I know. The only pressure on me is getting stuff on cam- on getting stuff on film, which is I mean that's a little, that's a little stressful, um, but also like you know you gotta kill, you gotta kill one bro you gotta, no pressure but you know <laughs> don't miss the, the, the hunters I mean the camera guys aren't the one making decisions of where we're going how we're setting up all that kind of stuff hunters that's that's true but hunters let it let it know are are scouting up to this point because uh, you went out scouting one time mm-hmm. I've been out two times Shane went out there Shane Parker's hunting with us um, what. Uh, where do you where do you think we're at with our scouting? I mean, I'm glad you, you feeling confident. I'm, hey. I'm glad Shane found something. I mean, I, I think that ridge system that you're on is definitely pretty good. I mean, what I found was good, but again, I don't know how you'd really hunt it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you'd pretty much just throw a sit out there. Like that, that that one day where you can't hunt 
and it's probably just gonna be me and Thomas. Mm-hmm. I'll probably just take him in there, and we'll go sit on one of those spots. Yeah, just throw a sit at and it. And just if we see a giant, I'm like, oh, boys, we're, we're changing, we're changing <laughs> locations. Or, or if we see a bunch of deer, I'm like, okay, we're we're gonna go hunt this. But mm-hmm. uh, that's probably what we're gonna do. Is I'm gonna tell them like we're going on a, a death march, so be prepared. Uh, Definitely. But anyways, go in there and use it as like a, a scout hunt because that's one of the things like you can put boots on the ground, you can run trail cameras, but some of the best things to do is like if you're kind of unsure about spot, like you just gotta sit it and see how it turns out and mm-hmm. see if you see anything, especially at a distance if you have a somewhat of a visual advantage. Which, Definitely. Depending on where we set up in there, we may. But I'm very interested. I, I'm still upset because we talked about that scout trip a couple uh, Friday breakdowns ago. But uh, I jumped a deer off a, a point and I was coming around the top of our, or I was on the the bottom of a rock line, like a bluff wall, and that point was farther down from me and i jumped a deer off of it just it probably just hurt me I, there we couldn't smell me out think right there though. i don't think the wind was swirling but it just kind of went off that down the hill just by itself i'm like dude i don't think it's a doe like again in that area i feel like the doe group you're gonna have doe groups so you're gonna have multiple deer and it was just one deer gonna go off and i'm a little upset that i didn't say you know this is gonna suck but let's drop down the elevation a couple hundred feet and see if there's a big community scrape down there on that point that he was on or yeah. it was on um, because I feel like potentially that that's where it would be, probably where it would be. Mm. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty, my friend. Well, no, because I thought it right then there, and I was, I was, dude, I'm not gonna lie, side hilling for as long as I did. I'm like, I'm like this is gonna like it's gonna suck no matter what, because even where I had to go, I was climbing through like bluffs and crap. But uh, no way. Did he get it? Is he on camera? Uh, literally, it just sent us a photo. It, oh, it's a, oh man, it's a little buck. Oh. You see him. <laughs> I told you right now. We just mentioned that, and right at that scrape, I was just talking about. There is a a buck sitting there at that scrape what, what, right now it, as we're recording. It's this. two twenty eight right now too. Two twenty eight. You know he ain't nothing to call home about. I wouldn't shoot him way back in there because it is a hump getting back to this spot. I don't know, Andrew. That is that is a very much an Andrew Maxwell. Kind that of is buck. the kind of buck I end up shooting every year at some point or another. So I can't see his torso glands very well. Man, I'm not gonna lie, cell cameras are fun. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are uh, a blast. That's so funny. A blast. <laughs> so hey, this is how you request a video. You hold down on it. Uh-huh. Click here. Oh, video. That's, oh, that's fancy. Boom, done. So now I'm gonna see what he's up to. It helps having the video for sure. So we'll be able to see his tarsal on there a little bit better. But so I had a I had a, a deer again chasing this morning, um, at like six thirty. And uh now here he is at 227, so you know might be a hot doe in the area. Might be all kinds of activity going on right there. Who knows? Mm, mm. Anyways, um, yeah, it's exciting stuff. So hopefully, what's, what's your what's your thoughts on it, man? You know, <clears throat> I'm really confident. I'm very actually very confident in that spot, especially after you and Shane both went out and scouted and found very similar results as far as the sign you were finding. Y'all haven't been in there yet, but compared to what y'all we're saying i feel like there's a significant amount of sign in where i've been going and scouting compared to where y'all were so that has me really really excited about that spot and i think it sets up good where there's some really nice strategic spots that we're going to be able to go and hunt that are going to make a lot of sense and uh, if we just get the right weather conditions and we put time in i really do think we're going to get a crack at a nice deer there's two bucks in there that are no-brainers like shooters and then there's a couple in-betweeners, but I'm sure there's probably other big bucks in there that we're just not getting on camera. Maybe they're just winding the scrapes or whatever, who knows? Uh, or maybe they're not even going to those scrapes and they're just staying up higher. Um, so I'm I'm really confident about that. 
Um, the only thing I'm concerned about is that the way the ridge sets up, it's going to be hard to hunt it for like five days and not like really burn it out, I think. Because I, I think that they're going to be kind of sensitive to pressure because I know they're getting pressured lower. And so now if all of a sudden, if we're just like banging on their front door every day, right in there, it might throw everything off and we might be starting from square one. So that's what I'm kind of worried about. So we're going to try to not have that happen. We're going to be... kill, kill big buck on the first time in there. Yeah. We're going to be careful about it. So, um, yeah, if we get, man, I'll tell you what, if we got like a nice cold, which it looks like we're getting this, a nice cold bluebird day and we can get up in the, on the big saddle above those and sit it all day. Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. We're gonna see something. I think. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you and Andrew or you and Thomas. Thomas is gonna go with you. Yeah. I, I told Thomas, I'm like, get ready to have your boosters laced up real tight. Uh, yeah. We've been to do some walking. Yeah. Son. He's like, how far is it? I'm like, I don't want to tell you. I don't want to scare you. Oh, it's gonna be far. Get the saddle. That's gonna be fun. How we? Yeah. How we have to access that? Cause we got a J hook yeah. into it. Yeah. This, we need. We need to get a southern outdoorsman helicopter. Yeah, man. You better be eating some bananas get your, and stuff. Get, eat your weedies before you go. Yeah, you better. Yeah. All right, we got to wrap this up because I got to go track a deer for, for a listener. True that. So. All right. Um, Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Let's see if we got a review real quick. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. I'll let you, I'll let you get it real quick. So there's a new review. Um, Like I mentioned on Monday's episode, make sure that you guys go to our website, check out the uh, listener success story form submittal. So it's different than our regular contact form. It's not the the regular, you know, contact us thing. There's actually a form you go fill out for your listener success story. It's on the listener success story page right at the top. Can't miss it. Uh, So go and go and fill that out and uh, we will feature you on the website. Um, This is from uh, Riff underscore matthews favorite hunting podcast five stars can we start calling jacob the red rifle that is the review i alluded to in monday's episode and i kind of like that i'm kind of torn red rifle or uh ginger gunslinger i man, i just i like the the ring of ginger gunslinger i gotta say but red rifles so also ginger hilarious. gunslinger is a little more marketable <laughs> <laughs> so i'd love for people to go uh in the review section, go leave some reviews and tell us which one of those you like more, Ginger Gunslinger or Red Rifle, which is a play on the other nickname he has, Red Rockets. <laughs> and the play on his tracking recovery business's name, Red Rocket Recovery. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, you got anything else? No, that's it, man. Uh, appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Go leave us a five-star written review on iTunes if you've enjoyed the show. And, uh, guys, we'll catch you back here for next Monday's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed 
for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You gotta be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.